I'm not Joe Lay. <laughs> I'm going to wait for them to get the feedback out of the mic, and then we'll continue to move forward. Got it? Okay, good. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. I'm going to read to you a scripture, Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. And it says this, it's titled in the NIV, Present Suffering and Future Glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, Let the words of my heart and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I read this scripture a few months ago, it came at a time when I really needed it. About a week after Hurricane Michael made his mark on the panhandle, I don't know about you, but I was in need of some hope. It was then the Holy Spirit led me to this word of hope. God has a way of doing that, providing a word of hope in a moment where hope is needed. Isn't that what Easter Sunday is all about? On Easter, we remember the hope as we celebrate our risen Savior, Jesus. But then, shouldn't every Sunday be Easter Sunday? That's right. Because we celebrate the hope that we have in Jesus every Sunday. The staff worked hard to make certain Woodlawn presented excellence in order to celebrate Holy Week, with the climax being Easter Sunday. There were volunteers who stepped up to assist in ways needed to make Holy Week the very best. We even came together on that Saturday before Palm Sunday to wash windows, clean bathrooms, and scrub floors so everyone would have a great and comfortable experience. What would happen if we did this every Saturday before Sunday morning? Would that change the way that we would see our church? Would that change the way that we experience hope? Would that change the way we engender hope to each of our visitors that come on Sunday morning? I want to share with you a glory sighting. There's a couple in my small group who attend worship at the water most every week. It's their service. 
They're always finding ways to serve. Chip McDill, along with his wife, Charlie, love worship at the water. In fact, when I asked about this service at the water on Easter, Chip's response was, which one? You see, he went to share and to serve at 7 o'clock for the sunrise service. He and Charlie both. And then he worshiped at 8.30. We have four services usually every Sunday. I want to ask you, would you experience that hope of serving one and then worshiping at one? If you serve at one, then it allows the people that like to attend that service to worship at that service. And then vice versa, if we got some of the people on the other side of the house to come over here and serve here while you have a chance to worship, wouldn't that be incredible? I'm telling you, it will change your life when you begin to serve week to week and worship. I encourage you to experience this hope and to share it. There's always a need. Chip and Charlie serve because they love Woodlawn. They serve because they love worship at the water. They serve because they love Jesus. They serve because they recognize they have been adopted, adopted into the family of God. Isn't that hope? That's not rhetorical. Our scripture reading today, verse 19, states this. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Now, your outline says, who are the sons of God? If you read other translations, it will use the term sons. I want you to scratch sons out and write children or people. Who are the people of God? And the answer is everyone. Put an exclamation point by that. Everyone is a child of God. Everyone. Romans 8, 14 through 17, just before our scripture reading today, says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Isn't that hope? Just recently, as in the Thursday before Easter, my niece, Mandy from Huntsville, adopted a little baby girl. Her name is Skylar. They're waiting and living in our house with us right now until the paperwork gets finished in Alabama. So we get to have a little infant in our house, and Sylvia gets to change her diapers. <laughs> she has become, Skylar has, a valuable member of our family. Biology says she isn't related to Mandy or us. However, hope and love disagree. Skylar is every bit a part of our family now. She has taken on Mandy's name. When she begins to speak, she will call Mandy Mama. She has a grandfather and a grandmother who already love her dearly. And she has a, an incredible great uncle too. 
Skyler shares in the greater inheritance of our family, the best we have for her, because of Mandy, Skyler will encounter a future with hope. And this is exactly what Romans 8, 14 through 17 is communicating. We are no longer slaves to sin. We have been adopted into God's family when we choose to follow Jesus. We are God's children. And because we are God's children, we share a greater inheritance than this world has to offer. God has already given us His best gift, His Son, Jesus Christ. And with this gift comes forgiveness and eternal life. Isn't that great news? This is hope. 2 Corinthians 6, 18, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Isn't that great? Who is subjected to hope? Come on, you know the answer to this. Who? Everyone. This is an easy test, y'all. Put an exclamation point by that one as well. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 6 say this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, mull over that while I go get my water. Thank you, ma'am. Ain't she pretty? Are you in need of encouragement today? Peter's words offer hope and encouragement in times of trouble. The confidence of these words come from the hope in what we have and what Jesus has done for everyone. While the creation waits in eager expectation, that comes from our scripture, we don't have to wait to live in the current hope freely, uh, given freely for us. Our hope is the, uh, for the future eternal life but it's also for the present. We can live into hope today. Now, isn't that a powerful statement? Wouldn't you want to take your pencil right now, write that down? I'll repeat it for you if you do. Take your pencil, write this down. Our hope is for the future eternal life, but it's also for the present. We can live into that hope today. Eternal life doesn't begin when a person dies. Eternal life begins when a person accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that's, isn't that right? Come on. As sons and daughters of God and as followers of Jesus and with the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, we know that the pain and the trials of this life are not our final experience. Eventually, we will live in the perfect presence of Jesus forever. Now, that's hope. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from your, yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Work one, worship one. Who is eligible for this benefit? That's where I put an exclamation point by it. I told you it was easy. I'm not the main preacher here. I just get to say a few words. Who is eligible for this benefit? Everyone. Romans 6, 23 through 23 says this, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A follower of Jesus isn't a person who cannot sin but a person who is no longer a slave to sin. Therefore, all there is to be done is to ask forgiveness for our sins and to work to live a righteous life before God. By the way, have you ever noticed that there is only one letter separating life and lie? I know, that's the way it hit me, Tyler. Uh, will you follow the lie the enemy offers, or will you follow the life that Jesus offers? It's a simple choice. It really is. Followers of Jesus belong to God. Eternal life is free. It's a free gift from God, and this is the hope we live for today. You can't earn it, nor is it something we must pay back. How many of you have given a gift to someone you love and then turn around and ask them for payment? Well, maybe a couple of them. I hear you laughing. <laughs> but our salvation is a gift. It's a gift from God. We can't make salvation happen. We can only choose to accept the gift or not. We can only choose it. Verse 21 of our scripture reading today says this, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. As followers of Jesus, we are no longer slaves to sin. Isn't that hope? That's it? Yeah. Come on, isn't that hope? I celebrate that every day. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Is that a truth we believe in or not? Come on. A week after Hurricane Michael hit this area, I had the opportunity to ride along to Mexico Beach with a friend of mine, Jerry R. Helger. Jerry is the pastor of First United Methodist Church in Mexico Beach. At that time, only people with passes could enter into Mexico Beach due to the extreme damage in the area. Jer Jerry wanted me to see his church firsthand. The shortest route from Panama City Beach to Mexico Beach is to drive through Tyndall Air Force Base. My heart sank when I saw the devastation there. One would have thought they'd been at war with the damage to the homes and the facilities. We drove on through the acreage following the base to see thousands of trees snapped in half as if they were toothpicks. None of this prepared me for the damage ahead of us. 
I was in shock as we drove around the rubble of completely demolished houses. Dismay and grief were written all over the faces of those overwhelmed where they were trying to start to sift through the ruins. As I empathized with the people I saw, and even with my friend Jerry, this question ran through my mind. Where is the hope in all of this mess? As we drove up to the church, my heart began to stir. Out of all the debris in the surrounding area, out of the empty slabs where houses once stood, was a little church in Mexico Beach that continued to stand. The floodwaters came and they went, and there was debris all around the church. The trees had fallen. Windows, including much of the stained glass, were gone. As we entered the building, pews had been saturated with water, including the rest of the furniture and the instruments in the structure. However, that building stood strong. As we crawled around the debris to see more of the damage, I came across some books on the pew on the front row. They were hymnals, except for one. There was debris all over the pew. There was debris and water damage. But one book on that front row remained open. And it was a Bible. And it was opened to this scripture, Romans 8, verses 18 through 25, which is the scripture I'm speaking to you from today. Now I want, to, I want you to hear it again. I want you to listen to it. I want you to hear it in the eyes of somebody now that understands that God gave a glimmer of hope on that pew, Mexico Beach, in spite of the devastation. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they have already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Amen. You see, in all the surrounding trouble we experience, whether from a horrible storm or other tragedies in life, there is hope. When a doctor gives you news you never thought you would hear about a dangerous and possibly fatal disease attempting to destroy your life or someone you love dearly, there is hope. When a person well-known in our community tragically dies or when a young child is taken to heaven way too soon, there is hope. When a relationship is struggling to survive or a marriage is on the verge of the divorce, there is hope. 
If you're walking the streets homeless or you have no idea where the money is going to come from to pay the next set of bills due, there is hope. No matter what dire circumstances surround some of you in this very moment, there is hope. No matter what this or other storms have done to you, there is hope. You could have stumbled into this service today wondering why you can't seem to find satisfaction in your life. Nothing is really wrong, but you just can't put your finger on why you feel the way you do. There is hope. Hope is knowing that beyond the last day of our life on this earth is an eternal kingdom, a future glory. Hope is this in the words of Dr. David Jeremiah. Today may not be the day Jesus returns, but we can see that day from here. Amen. That is true hope, folks. Do you yearn for hope? Are you living in expectation of hope? Do you want to have this hope I've been referring to today? Hope is all you willing to step up to make every Sunday an Easter experience. Hope is holding a newborn baby. Hope is finding God's worth withstanding the destructive power of a hurricane. Hope is the Word made flesh. Hope came to this earth to save us all from the enemy who wants nothing more than to destroy us. Hope lived. Hope healed the sick. Hope encouraged the poor. Hope fed the 5,000. Hope took on the establishment. Hope came to fulfill the law. Hope took on the punishment for all by hanging on the cross for our sins. Hope died a gruesome death, but they couldn't keep hope down. Hope was raised from the dead. Hope is eternal and sits at the right hand of God as our intercessor. Hope cannot be defeated, for He has now defeated death. Hope is our destiny. Hope is our inheritance. Hope brings us peace. Hope is our joy. Hope is true faith. Hope is unconditional love. Hope has a name and His name is Jesus. Say that with me. Hope is a name and His name is Jesus. Say it so that the people over there can hear it. Hope has a name and His name is Jesus. Say it so that the officer sitting at a Marist bank eating his sandwich can hear it. Hope has a name and His name is Jesus. Say it to Arnold. Hope has a name and His name is Jesus. Say it to the people online. Hope has a name and His name is Jesus. Come on, can I get an amen today? Amen. Praise God. To you, there is an opportunity to experience this hope today. If you want a personal relationship with Jesus, then I'm going to say a prayer in a moment, and I would like for you to say it with me. Maybe already you have hope in Jesus. Maybe already you walk into this place, but you still feel that distant separation from Him and simply need forgiveness and a renewed hope. I also invite you to pray this prayer with me. Today you may be standing strong in the hope of the Lord. Then I ask you, would you pray this prayer aloud with me so we can encourage somebody that may be sitting near you that would say it aloud, but they don't want to be singled out. For those of you watching online, I hope you feel the invitation to say this prayer with me. Come on, bring it on up. You have a connection link I mentioned earlier. 
connect with us. Let us know something about you. And let us know how we can pray for you. You in this room, you have connection cards. We want you to fill those out. Let us know how we can pray for you. For those of you that are here today, you can drop it in the basket later on in the service. And what I want to call attention to is if you've never given your life to Christ, we have places where we can get you plugged in and learn more. We have coming up on May 19th, Woodlawn Way, where you can 